Now, it's been said, and I definitely believe, that communication is the most important aspect of any relationship. And I'm sure you've heard that before, but here's a problem I find a lot of times, is when we hear communication, we immediately think about our ability to communicate, or in other words, our ability to get our point across. And although that's part of communication, that's not exactly what communication is. Communication is not just your ability to impart what you feel, believe, and think, but it's the ability to listen and receive what the other person is trying to communicate. When you have healthy communication, you have a healthy relationship. And healthy communication happens when you are clearly understanding and hearing what the other person is saying and vice versa. Now that's huge in any relationship, but none more so than in your relationship with God. See, I think prayer is something that most of us can easily do because it's just talking to God. Even when we don't mean to pray sometimes, you know, when you hit your thumb or you stub your toe, you say things like, God, oh my God. Like there's these instant mini prayers that are, are quick communications to God. So prayer is, is not easy for a lot of us, but it comes more naturally than being able to hear and receive what God has to say to you, specifically when it comes to what God is communicating to you through his word, the Bible. Most of what God wants to say to you is already written down. Yes, God can speak directly to you. And uh, there may be moments where, you know, the spirit of God speaks to your spirit. And there's an understanding. There's a clarity that says, I believe God wants me to do X, Y, Z. But too often, we're, we're walking around in the dark, feeling around, trying to see if we can sense what God is trying to communicate when we don't have to do that because God has clearly communicated it when he wrote it down. The Bible is the most amazing book in the world. And I know a lot of people might think, yeah, but the Bible was written by a person. And so how can we trust it? Well, first of all, every book you've ever read was written by a person. But the uniqueness of the Bible is that it wasn't written by just one human. It was written over a span of a thousand years by 40 different authors on three different continents and three different languages. And yet it does feel like it was a single person because we believe it was the spirit of God flowing through these individuals that penned the word of God. What you and I receive communication from when it comes to God. This is why it's so important for you to take time and read your Bible. And I want to talk about that a little bit today because... Especially in this season where we haven't been gathering in person, this is an area that you should have been, and if you haven't, need to continue to grow it. I just started a Bible study with some of our young adults last week, and there was just something exciting and fun about talking about the Bible and exploring different ideas and trying to come to an understanding of what God is exactly speaking to us and all the little hidden gems and, and just notes that God has and the richness of his word. It's truly a powerful thing, but like almost everything else, it's not powerful unless you're able to experience it. And you can't experience the Bible if it's never opened. Matter of fact, this is a problem all across the United States. More than anything else, I think this is the thing that's going to be hurting the church. Uh, there was a research that I came across the other day that said 45% of those who regularly attend church read their Bible more than once a week. 40% of people going to church read it occasionally, like once a month. One in five churchgoers say they never read the Bible. Now, that's all fun and stats, but what about you? Specifically you. How often do you actually pick up the Bible and read it and study it 
and try to understand what God is speaking to you. Now, trust me, I hear a lot of you that are already thinking, it's just, I don't like reading. And hey, listen, number one right here, I, I hated reading. But to say we don't like to read is not true, is it? Because of the way life is nowadays in technology, you read constantly. You're constantly reading text messages. You're constantly reading posts. Uh, it might be in shorter spurts, and if that's what you need, then read the Bible in shorter spurts, you know? Read four or five verses and meditate on that and meld on that. You don't have to sit there and read the whole book front to back in one sitting, but you do have to take time to read it. I'm sure if we added up all the text messages and all the posts and put it together, you probably read a few books a week. I'm just saying add the Bible to that list. Listen, speaking of the book, I want you to see what the Bible has to say about itself. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. I just jotted a few notes here just to explain what the Bible is, because the Bible is so much more than a book. The Bible is a letter from our distant father. The Bible is a picture of our best and most faithful friend. The Bible is a certificate of adoption into the family of God. The Bible is a declaration of our liberty and freedom from the slavery of sin. The Bible is a description of our heavenly inheritance. The Bible is the evidence of nobility that we are made kings and priests to God. The Bible is the instruction manual for wise and blessed living. The Bible is both a statement of account and a checkbook for what belongs to the promises of God. The Bible is a telescope where we see the heavenly city that is our destination in heaven. And the Bible is a microscope where we are able to see our innermost being. The Bible is so much more than a book. It's how God communicates to you. And if you want to understand the heart of God, if you want to understand the purpose that God has for your life, if you want to understand how God views things and think about things, don't just go by what you're listening to right now when you check out these videos, but open it up. So I want to just real quickly chop down those areas that God talks about in Hebrews chapter 4. And the first thing is the fact that he says the Bible is alive and powerful. It's alive and powerful. It's amazing that a document that was written well over 2,000 years ago is still as impactful and as relevant today as it's ever been. That's why we say it's alive and powerful. More times than I can count, I've had uh, students like you come up to me at the end of service, sometimes almost frustrated and mad, asking if I wrote that sermon about them. And I'll be honest with you, I don't have time to sit down and write individual sermons for one person. And I'm not that petty to say, hey, I'm going to get this person with this sermon. I might do it with a note, but not the whole sermon. Well, that's the Bible speaking. That's why if I'm preaching in front of a crowd of 2,000, that every one of them can experience a unique and powerful moment with God when the word is being communicated because it is alive and powerful. It's not just one thing for one person, but God is able to communicate exactly what he wants to communicate in the way that he wants to do it when you open up his word and allow it to pour over your life. That's the beautiful thing about the Bible. That's why you can read the same thing over and over again and it have different applications at different times in your life. It'll hit you in different ways because it's alive. It's powerful. It's still moving. Listen, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Therefore, we never stop thanking God 
For when we received his message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. Uh, I love what he's saying. He's saying, listen, you, you didn't take this word as our opinion. The Bible isn't a book of man's opinions. It is the word of God. It is God's opinion. It is what he thinks. So when I'm reading this to you, I'm trying my best not to insert my own ideas, but to just communicate what the text is trying to communicate, to relay what God is saying to you. And again, uh, it's, it's great to have somebody do that for you, but there is nothing like first person. Okay, because sometimes we can get caught in that game of telephone where, oh, well, my friend's church's pastor said this. Okay, you're going three, four people. What does God say? What are you hearing directly from the Lord? Because you have access to that as a child of God, as a son and daughter of the Lord. You have access to the word of God. That word that is alive and powerful is at work in you if you are willing to take the time to read it. And it does important work such as cutting between emotional faith and actual faith, right? It, it cuts between the soul and the spirit. I love when Hebrew says that. Well, what's the difference? Well, soul, it encompasses your mind, your will, and your emotions. But your spirit is a supernatural power that, that has life in a person. It is the essence of a person. And often our spiritual walk can be heavily influenced by our emotional moments. As, we resu as a result, we end up walking by our emotions and not by our faith. Instead of living by grace, we end up living by hype. We end up living from moment to moment, event to event. We, and the problem with that is in Jeremiah 17, 9, that the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Well, no one does. That's the problem when you follow your heart. Your heart it doesn't always want what's best for you. It just wants what it wants. Listening to your heart is the quickest way to ruin your life. And uh, I know I shouldn't be in this relationship, right? But my heart wants it. Or or I know this, you know, even this friendship is unhealthy. But, you know, they I've just been with them so long. I have such a close, well, it's a heart tie to them. I know God is with me, but I just don't feel him anymore. Well, that's a, a hard emotion. That's not a reality. That's not God's truth. And what the word of God does is it's able to correct some of your misconceptions or your heart feelings and say, I know you feel like that, but feelings aren't facts. Here are the facts. I love that God validates your feelings. It's okay to feel that way, but don't allow that to dictate your thoughts, your attitudes, your actions. God's word is able to correct us when our heart starts to lead us astray. It cuts between. It tells you the difference. The word of God cuts through that. It allows us to feel things, but not be led by feelings. It allows us to feel close to God without always needing to cry and to have proof. Again, a lot of times our spiritual walk is dependent on our relationship with God, but more so our emotional relationship. And so we feel like, well, if I didn't get goosebumps and if I didn't cry and if, and if I wasn't moved, then God wasn't there. But listen, God is always there. And God is always communicating. Sometimes when God communicates to you, you don't feel goosebumps. Sometimes you feel conviction. You feel sad because, man, you're right, God, I shouldn't be doing that. Sometimes you feel joy, a reassurance. God, thank you for reminding me that that's not who I am, that I'm who you say I am. 
There's all types of emotions and responses that come from hearing God's word. Not just these moments of crying out and goosebumps. Sometimes God speaks in a still small voice. And it's just this gentle pat on the back that says, get up and try again. We rob ourselves from these powerful moments when we don't allow God's word to differentiate between what our feelings say and what God says. And the third thing is, the word of God has the ability to expose us. Now, I'll be honest with you. This was usually the biggest reason why I didn't like reading the Bible. Because I felt exposed. I felt like every time I open it up, it points out something that wasn't right in my life. It points out something that I was embarrassed about. It pointed out my nakedness, right? My, my vulnerability. That's what God's word does. It, it points out the things that aren't going well. It's like when you're in an argument with somebody and you feel like you got them and then they point out that you used the wrong your in the argument. And there's this salty feeling because you're like, I f dang, even though my argument was 100% right, you expose my bad grammar. Well, that's a funny way to look at it. But what the Bible does is it exposes things that we don't want anybody to see, even things that we don't want to acknowledge ourselves. And because of that, we don't read it. Because of that, it's almost like when you know your friend or your mom or your dad have something to say to you that you don't want to hear. You already know what they want to say. And you're like, no, no, I get it. I get it. And you're saying that so they're like, shut up. Don't say it. I don't want to hear it. And the truth is sometimes you need to hear it. And God wants to speak it. But he can't communicate those things that expose us if we don't take time to read it. And here's the problem. When you don't allow God's word to expose you, sin will expose you. At some point, the things that God is trying to correct are going to come to light. See, the problem is we feel like God's exposing us to the world, but he's really only exposing us to himself. He's, he's allowing the reflection of himself to give us an opportunity to change the thing that's hurting us. What sin does is sin exposes us to the world. Sin's objection is to embarrass us, is to horrify us, is to demean us is to expose us in a way that embarrasses us and causes us to not just hide from everybody, but actually hide from God. Listen, James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free and you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Ignorance may be a choice, but it's not an excuse. God has given you directions for how to live your life. It's a map that guides you in the way that you should go. And some of us wonder, why are we so lost? Well, we never open up the map. Uh, the other day I was... Uh, actually yesterday I was going to a restaurant, uh, taking my wife out, Cicely, it was her birthday. And so we we're going to go pick up some food really quick from one of her favorite restaurants, but it's on another part of town. And, uh, I kind of had an idea of how to get there, but I was taking some different streets and, uh, it got to a point where I thought, you know what? I'm not sure if I'm exactly going where I need to go. And so just real quick, while I was at a red light, I opened up my GPS and I put the address to the place. And wouldn't you know, it It was like five minutes straight in the street that I was on. So I was 100% on the right path. But there was something powerful about knowing and comforting about knowing, okay, cool. I just got to keep going where I'm going. As opposed to still feeling around, hoping, and maybe not being on the right path. I didn't want to chance it 
What did it cost me to take a moment, open it up and see for myself, am I going where I need to be going? And that's what the Bible does. It exposes you and letting you know that you're doing what you need to do, or it exposes you and telling you that you're not doing what you need to do. And the chances are you're probably not always doing what you need to do, but I'd rather God let me know that than the rest of the world. It's like this. Um, if you had a booger hanging out of your nose or you had something in your teeth, a good friend will come up discreetly and say, hey, you got something in your nose or hey, your your zipper's undone or, or hey, you got something in your teeth. You know, the cool ones, they'll go from far and be like, and they just tell you. And before anybody looks, you're like, you wipe it out, you clean your nose and then you go, hey, thanks. And you're, you feel this appreciation could you imagine if that same person, instead of discreetly just kind of letting you know, they're like, hey, everybody, look, so-and-so's got a booger hanging out, or, oh, my God, what's that in your teeth? And, and everyone starts laughing at you. See, that's not a friend. And that's what sin does. Sin laughs at the things that are exposed. But God discreetly pulls you aside and says, hey, listen, why don't you get that out of your teeth, and why don't you wipe your nose real quick, and... Hey, your zipper's undone. Hey, there's this thing that's a part of your life that's embarrassing. That's something you know you shouldn't be doing. And before it exposes you to the world, let me just discreetly in my word communicate to you so that you can see for yourself. That's why the Bible says it's like a mirror, right? When you look at it, you're going to notice things about yourself that aren't right. But here's the trick. The Bible just exposes it. You still have to do something about it. That's why it says, don't just look at yourself in the mirror and then walk away and not address the thing that you saw, but fix it. If I had this random hair just sticking out of my head and I didn't know until I looked in the mirror, I have a choice after I see it in the mirror. Do I just leave it like that and look silly all day or I take the time to fix it and address the thing that I saw? When you read your Bible, it's going to open up things and it's going to show you things, but you still have to be willing to do what the Bible is explaining for you to do. I'm going to close out with um, a psalm in Psalm 119. It's a few verses, but follow me. Verse 97 through 104. It says, Oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guide. Yes, I have more insight than my teachers, for I am always thinking of your laws. I am even wiser than my elders, for I have kept your commandments. I have refused to walk on any evil path. So that I may remain obedient to your word. I haven't turned away from your regulations. For you have taught me well. How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. The superficial Christian may read and even understand God's word in an outward sense. But they don't obey God's word. Only the spiritual man loves it. I'm trying to ask you to go beyond just reading it because a lot of people can read the Bible. That's the first step, and that's a very important step. But when you start to read it and you allow it to do what it does, right, to be alive and active and powerful, to differentiate between your emotions and the realities of your faith, to expose the things that need to get fixed in your life and help you become more of who God has called you to be, when you allow the Bible to do all that and so much more, you grow to love it because any good form of communication grows a relationship. And I need you to understand this. You will never, and I could say this confidently, you will never have a strong relationship with God if you don't have a strong relationship with his word. If you can't 
hear God's voice in his word, if you can't read it and understand it and apply it, you will never have a real relationship with God. It'll always be superficial. It'll always be on the surface. God wants to have a deep and rich relationship with you. The people that you are closest to in this world are the ones that you communicate with the most. God just wants to be one of those, if not the first one. And I want to challenge you, take time. Again, there are so many resources right now. We're happy to help you. We're happy to answer any questions you have. We're happy to guide you. But there is no excuse to not read and understand the Bible. You can literally learn anything in today's day. Uh, you can YouTube it. You can Google it. There is no way for you to say, well, I just don't get it. Because it's all out there to explain it. On top of all that, there's us. We want to help you. But we can't make you have desire. You have to take the initiative to open up that book, to apply it to your life and to build a love for it that will transform into a love for God. I want to close in prayer and just ask God to help us to be diligent in his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you that you communicated to us clearly, God. Anything that we need to know is already in that book. But God, we need to take the time to read it. And so, Lord, we pray, God, give us the strength to get up on a regular basis and make your word a priority. God, we pray. Help us to understand what we read, Lord, and not just understand it, but give us the courage to apply it, to not be embarrassed of what it exposes, but to be encouraged that it gives us an opportunity to become better and be who you called us to be. Father, I pray against the spirit of laziness. God, I pray against um, just a lack of desire. Lord, I pray that there would be a a pressing on our spirit, a, a deep yearning to read your word. And Lord, I pray that we would encourage and help each other, God, that we would sharpen each other as we push each other to have a greater relationship with you. We thank you, God, for all of that. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I love you guys. And uh, in a few weeks, we got some pretty cool stuff coming. So stay tuned for that. Have a good one. Bye-bye.